This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. One, two, Jacob's coming for you. Three, four, Joel is at the door. Five, six, Kent loves to pitch. Seven, eight, don't listen too late. Nine, ten, it's Halloween again. Thank you for the applause, that you was guys. was the right amount of creepy to set the tone for this show, Ken. <laughs> My weird sort of voice. I liked it. It was oh, good. Thanks. Hey. Welcome to Vegas, everyone. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And Jacob. And uh, thank you for uh, the feedback we got on the Hipster Horror Flick Picks. Indeed. We, if you haven't listened to our uh, Bacon Bit, we did a Bacon Bit review of one of the movies that the listener suggested. A uh, listener named Tom suggested a movie called Horror Express. Not new. It's not a new movie at all. 1972. Mm-hmm. And we did a review on it, just like we do every other, like our, our regular movie reviews. So like you, the brand new movies that generally come out opening weekend. Even spoiler yeah. free, spoiler full. Yeah. It really, so it released <laughs> last <laughs> 1972. And it released uh, it's last. It's kind of silly now that we it. released, it, yeah. if you didn't see, on Friday the 13th. So go back and listen to it. Ooh. Yeah. Spooky. But as we go into the Halloween season, we've done a lot of fun Halloween shows already. And we have a more in store for you, including... What are we talking about today, Jacob? I thought you were going to pitch next week. I was like, we've never done this before. No, no. Okay, today, fellas. Next week's all about you, babe. This is. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> yes. That's a teaser. That's a teaser. <laughs> Guys, the day's finally here. Kent's Day. I think that's what we should name this Happy day. Kent's Day, everybody. Happy Kent's Day. Happy Kent Miss, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to pitch some stories. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. Hold on. I earned this. Now, was it, are you? Is this the one you earned by watching Gilmore Girls, or is this the one you earned by going on the rocket? I like how one is like I'm more feminine, and the other is like I'm a baby who doesn't dare go on rides. You know those are both going to be taken out of context. <laughs> Twitter quotes. Which, if you don't follow us on Twitter, we do bacon cell quotes all the time and, and pull out fun quotes from the show. I remember very clearly, Joel, and you. You were going up uh, and uh, to go on. What was was the rocket? The rocket re-entry? rocket reentry. Reentry. We, we were we were on takeoff though, or blast off. Blast or, off. Yeah, that was part of the deal. I didn't want to do drop down. Didn't it had wanna, to be blast yeah. off. So it had to be blast off. And and Joel says, "I'll give you another pitch show if you come on this." And Kent says no immediately. And then he we kind of talk for a second. He's like, "Should I do that for a pitch show?" I'm like. Yeah, you probably should. <laughs> and man. I already had a pitch show in the pocket yeah, as well. Had one. And he, from Gilmore, from was, watching Gilmore Girls, it was genuinely from difficult watching, for him. I, asked I him watched watch, him. It was seriously a dilemma. He did not. He know. was so he was yeah. so scared. But I asked Kent to watch three episodes of. We'll say we'll just go in order. So this is your Gilmore Girls. Yes, it, uh, yes, it is. Redemption. You, this was Kent about watch, six or seven months ago. Yeah, and I asked him to watch three episodes of Gilmore Girls. And Kent, how many have you watched? Sixty. One season and one episode of season two. <laughs> that's not what I asked you to do. I know. But if you want to go above and beyond, that's for you. But you're not earning any more shows. I want you to know that. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> I know this. Okay. And you still got a pitch show in the pocket now. Yeah, exactly. Nice. No, here's the thing. Like, actually, Joel, for some reason, I got mad at, mad at you on a show. And I said, you know what? what? I know Joel doesn't want to do pitch shows anymore. I think I told Jake this behind the scenes. I said, I know Joel hates pitch shows. And you know what? I'm never going to watch Gilmore Girls. So we're never going to do this again because I don't want to watch that crappy show. What show did I get you that mad on? It was, I don't know. I do remember you saying that, but hmm. remember I didn't want to watch Gilmore girls because mm-hmm. mostly cause I, I kind of said I'd never watch it because I've seen good friends fall apart and become worse people because of Gilmore girls. You in particular. What? <laughs> okay. Joel will usually come 
to the podcast and we'll have a whole show and we'll gossip a little bit after the show. And then right before we'll he gossip. goes home, we'll do each other's nails and yeah. gossip. <laughs> oh, it's not that far from the truth. <laughs> Because it, right about right about the time Joel's about to leave, he goes, oh, by the way. Can we talk microblading tonight? <laughs> he goes, on this last week's episode, Jess, oh, what Jess did to Rory was, it was uncalled for. And Lorelai got involved. And then, you know, Mrs. Gilmore. Joel and, does it better. Go on. Yeah, Joel, please do. <laughs> well, no, I'm just frustrated because right now Luke and Lorelai are having some serious <laughs> issues. And, I, and they're doing Fiddler on the Roof, which is why it's in my head. And I wanted to mend things. There but it is. Although Kurt... Kirk is cast in Fiddler on the Roof. Come on. He's way much older than all those elementary school kids. So Joel will spring this on us by surprise. <laughs> we think we're having a real conversation and then suddenly... I'll just be like, oh, guys. Oh, guys. And they'll be like, what? What's wrong? And I'll be like, oh, I do not like... Oh, crap. I just blanked on his name. Dean? Logan. Oh, Logan is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't met Logan yet. You don't even know Logan. Hashtag Team, D- team Dean. Yeah, I don't like any of them. Anyway, anyway, what's happened to us? Yeah. It's wow. Halloween. Let's not do Sorry. a Gilmore Girls no, show. Please, no. But you're probably wondering why Kent has to earn these shows. I love them so much. So, so much. But why, why Kent? And why do much, I make you work so hard? Because you hate them yes. so much. As much as you love them, Joel yes. hates them. As much and, as Kent hates versus shows, probably about as much as I hate pitch shows. Yeah, that's accurate. So every time because I get overstressed in verses, I'm like, I got to put all this kind of Joel research into a show. I'm not ready for this. And then Joel knows that I go <laughs> way too far with my this stories in so, the pitches. Joel Kent genuinely get, has like palpitations from this sort of show. Yeah, I only yeah. had a couple meltdowns from this one. Um, <laughs> he only said bacon sales over twice. Because so. I, co- I come into pitch shows and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm the funny guy. Here's my funny pitch. And you guys are like, that's terrible and awful. It'll never be made. I'm like, it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> and then Ken will get in there and be like. I've written this for the past seven years. This novella. <laughs> Here's my drama that I really think if someone is listening that has power, they will make into a movie. They should. And I'm still waiting for a call from pretty much everyone. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes. So today, what specifically are we pitching, Jacob? Guys, we're going to pitch three different, of course, horror related or at least you know, mood related, right? Uh, season related. Uh, I, I don't yeah, know. I don't, related. I don't know their pitches. I don't know your guys' pitches. These have been kept in complete confidence. Yes. And so, I mean, maybe they're thriller issue. They knows? have no idea that I'm doing Friday the 13th part 18. Yeah. Or that Ken's going to talk about that a one's creepy already made. zombie James Bond. Who knows? Who knows could what be. will happen? Yeah, it could very idea. well be. So we're going to have, we're going to go and order three different types of pitches. The first is going to be kind of a reboot slash sequel pitch. Okay. Yeah, right. Is there another element to reboot, that? Reboot, remake, or sequel. Or is remake, what we said for yeah. Something that we're all used to seeing, actually. Yeah. Right. But you know, whether it, it is a Friday the 13th sequel or a remake or Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. remake, they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we're going to go to adaptations. So they're going to take some other fiction character and turn it into a horror story for a movie or like a book or something that's never become a horror a book, movie. Yeah. Short story, maybe famous show. Yeah. Yes. Whatever we feel. And then finally, we're going to round home with original stories completely original this is joel's favorite one i've been stressing out about this one like crazy because you have to pull it out of nowhere are we gonna do another thing where i green light or not is that just yeah yeah that's part that's that's kind of an unspoken thing oh i think it's a spoken thing jacob will after we give our pitch we'll say if he green lights it or not when you don't green light things it hurts my feel bads i know it does it hurts (laughs) your feel bads yeah what yeah. is that? It's I learned it from watching Gilmore Girls. But if it hurts your feel bads, isn't that good? I can't I can't green light everything, Kent. Please? You can. Please? You got the budget. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. So you guys ready to start? Yeah. Yes. Should we start? Joel, you want to kick it off? Yeah, Joel, sure. start us off. Why not? Is this the remake reboot sequel? This is the reboot remake sequel. And tell us what it is exactly 
and then maybe give us a little synopsis and then maybe go into a little bit more detail with this one. I'm just going to go right into the synopsis. Josh Howard is a late bloomer who has just finished college and doesn't know what to do with his life. So like any person his age, he creates a daily vlog on YouTube. His channel doesn't really go anywhere, but then one night the full moon rises and Josh suddenly and unexpectedly turns into a werewolf right in the middle of one of his live streams. Josh is absolutely horrified. Is he peeing? No. <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> Josh is absolutely horrified, Sorry, but, his video go- but his video goes viral, and people demand to see more of the wolf. Josh learns that he is the second cousin once removed of Scott Howard, the famous werewolf basketball player. It is then that Josh embraces the wolf inside him. He starts doing all sorts of videos featuring trick basketball shots, parkour, van surfing, and even boxing. And he starts dating Jasmine Hearts, a popular social media socialite and self-expressed animal lover. (laughs) However, even with all his fame and fortune, Josh feels empty. It especially hurts when he realizes that his wolf profile on Tinder has 10 times more right swipes than his regular profile. (laughs) Josh decides to be himself, but his views start dropping. And then Jasmine Hearts... Jasmine Hearts dumps him when he refuses to wolf out on her Snapchat video as she's protesting the portrayal of an endangered species in an upcoming animated movie. Well, there's a lot of euphemisms here. Josh, <laughs> jo- only in your mind. <laughs> yeah. Josh thinks all is lost, but then Lindsay Sterling, a popular YouTuber <laughs> and musician, reaches How out to him. How dare you, sir? And applauds him for being himself. She then asks him to help produce her YouTube channel, and they soon begin dating. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Threen Wolf. <laughs> Threen? What does that mean? Ew, I don't like that. I don't like Threen. You got Teen Wolf, you got Teen Wolf 2, and now Threen Wolf. Why can't they just call it Teen Wolf with two two threes? It's Threen Wolf. I don't like Threen Wolf. It makes me feel weird. Uh, So this is starring, actually, uh, Ryan Higa. He's a famous YouTuber, also known as Niga Higa. Yeah. He is the 20th most subscribed... personality on youtube he does a lot of comedy videos and i thought he could carry this role not fred i was hoping fred would have no, been three Wolf. Fred. fred's movies are terrible yeah but then also uh jasmine hearts is going to be pl- played by rosanna pensino or roe uh known for her nerdy nummies channel one of my favorite uh, youtube uh celebrities okay and uh, also it's going <laughs> to yep, star sure. jerry levine as rupert styles stilinski it's the actual actor who's played Styles in Teen Wolf 1 and Teen oh, Wolf 2. He's going to be around. He's going to be in this movie, As the too. weird uncle who's still kind of hanging yes. out. And then directed by Julian Smith, who is another famous YouTuber that I really enjoy his work. Uh, and he actually does do directing. Uh, I think he does commercials most of the time. He but do Malk. I think character. He, yeah, he's Malk and Hot yeah. Kool-Aid. And, Ugh. Yeah, he's a very funny personality. So there you go. Wait, so who's playing Lindsay Sterling? Uh, Lindsay <laughs> Sterling is playing herself because her and Rosanna Pensino are best friends. So I think if I get one, I can get them I both. I feel like you put that last little thing in as a slight. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty high. No. <laughs> My voice doesn't get high when I say things that aren't true. I want to be Threen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, this was my reboot remake sequel. I think the Threen Wolf franchise deserves another movie. And why not make it appeal to millennials with Threen Wolf? You're Can saying- you say Threen Wolf in like the movie theater voice? Threen Wolf. <laughs> that does kind of work, doesn't it? And uh, this came about because I, I, I was on a walk with some coworkers of mine and we were talking about the show. What? You do this with other people? You go on walks <gasps> I'm too. I'm so hurt. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I still think about you guys. I, I, I occasionally think you guys. Well, we were talking about the show. They're actually, you know, they're, uh, Chad and Dave are both fans of Bacon Cell. Hey, guys. And we were talking about what movie really shouldn't get another, what franchise really shouldn't get another movie. 
and in the horror genre, the Halloween genre. And then Teen Wolf came up and we were like, yes. And so we all started kind of coming with this idea together of making it, you know, after the, the basketball in the first one and the boxing in the second one, which, you know, appealed to the youth of their time. Mm. We figured, what do kids like today? And we thought, YouTubers. Millennials yeah. like YouTubers. Or soccer. So it's going to star YouTubers. So think of the built-in audience you automatically have. Yeah, but they'll be famous for like two years tops. Some of these people are around and are multi-million, multi-millionaires, Kent. Like, mm-hmm. well, we'll get to this hey, another show. I'm not happy if PewDiePie is not in this movie. PewDiePie. 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 I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kent. So there you go. Three Wait, wolf. is it greenlit? Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a heck yeah. For sure. He's greenlighting Thrine Wolf. Thrine Wolf is a go. We might have to change the name later, but everything else stays. Can I, green, can I, can I swap that green light later on if I really didn't want that one to be named? <laughs> nope, too late. I'm actually sad because that was a great idea, and now Thrine I wolf. put way too much weird thought into my pitches. <laughs> All right, I'm ready for your. Uh, I'm ready for your reboot, reboot, remake, or adaptation. Mine? No, reboot, remake, sequel. Mine is a sequel. It's a movie that should have had a sequel a long time ago. Okay. A long time ago. Are you ready? I'm ready. When a down-on-his-luck guy gives up all hope, a guardian angel is sent to show him what life would be like if he never existed. What? It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas movie. Jack Skellington returns in It's a Wonderful Afterlife. <laughs> what? No. <clears throat> no, no, no. Do not taint. Is it a Christmas movie per- or is it a Halloween movie? That's the question, Jake. <laughs> and that's a question for another show, isn't it? We already had that discussion and I won. But oh, okay, please. So the, the, please. Okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Let's you, go to the survey. You want to water down the legacy of Nightmare for Christmas with a sequel? Hasn't the hasn't you're okay. not worried about It's a Wonderful Life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is so far removed from that. <clears throat> if I may. You okay. Yeah, and so it. I bullet point I have bullet points for my story. I didn't really write it out, but these are details I want to be in the movie. Okay. Clay animation. So, clay animation, but directed by directed by Henry Selleck, once again. Once again, who did the original? Written by Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. Because I feel like those two have such a love for the characters. So it's, it's the same crew. That it did is Network the Christmas. same exact crew, but now with the animation of say a Kubo. So it looks you know, less old school. 1993 is when that movie came out, and it looks a little better, but it's still the same exact style. Well, let's back up. Let's hear more synopsis here. It's a long synopsis. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ever ready? Like Can you do the voice? As if we didn't already know it was going to be a long synopsis. Jack and his sister are sledding in the beginning of the movie, so it's a flashback. And oh, they're, is this taking too And they're long, humans. <laughs> but they both crash through the ice and die. Jack and his sister. Wait, they're already, they're already dead. This is the beginning of the movie. It's a flashback. Oh, okay. So when Jack comes to, he is a young skeleton and he cannot find his sister. So that's just kind of a, a memory that he has. <gasps> his sister is Sally. No, 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 what? no, 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 please no. This isn't Star Wars. So then we have Jack going to visit, you know, he's everything. All the events from Nightmare Before Christmas happen. So he goes to visit the human realm in 2018 during Halloween. And he goes and guess what he sees? People that are really apathetic about Halloween. He sees kids in superhero outfits. He sees maybe a dozen trick-or-treaters, but that's it. And he's really disappointed. He says, where's the fear? He sings a song about, like, where has the fear gone? Like, have they forgotten, essentially? It would just be a redo. Where has all the fear gone? (laughs) And so he actually... That was a a great effort. It was a great effort. He hears people laughing, having a good time, and he's like... Oh, people are finally celebrating Halloween. And yeah, so that was good. Yeah, thank you, Jack. And so then he goes and he sees this this party and he's like, great. And then all of a sudden it's a it's a party with all these like millennials, and every girl is dressed up as Harley Quinn, and they're all a little scandalous. And he's he looks and he's like, This isn't Halloween at all. And there's no fear, and you know, and there's no terror. And so he's really disappointed. And so he just walks back dejected and he says, Like, I've basically 
Halloween's ruined and I've done nothing to help because no one feels the terror anymore. Because Sally distracted him. Is it Sally's fault? It's not Sally's fault. It is. It's, it's sister, honestly it's his sister Sally's it's fault. It's the way that people really treat Halloween now. It'll kind of be a meta sort of it's thing. It's love. He's mellowed out now because of Sally. Right. Yeah. You know, that's just yeah. what happens. And then uh, actually one of the songs is called I Fear There's a Lack of Fear. That will be one of the songs. How's okay. that one go? Um, Joel? I fear there's a lack of fear. <laughs> it's an Oingo Boingo song. <laughs> and so on the way back to Halloween Town, he feels dejected, knowing he couldn't save Halloween, and he vows to give up the pumpkin throne to someone else. He is then stopped by a guardian angel who allows him to see what life would be like without Jack in it. So this is the exact story stolen from It's a Wonderful Life. But adapted for children. But adapted for well, children. Because well, It's a Wonderful children. Life is far too grim. And Jack's already dead, so he's not going to jump off a bridge. So he walks through Halloween Town. And he's like, well, this is terrifying. This is just fine. What's it like without him? Yeah. And so, no, but it's, it's like even worse. He's like, this is kind of like, it's scary here. And maybe things are better, much like It's a Wonderful Life. He's like, people are fine without me. Okay. And then he goes and he walks through the other holiday doors. Wait, so you're saying that this movie is about what would happen if Jack Skellington didn't die? If, yeah, if he didn't die and never went to Halloween Town. Okay. Because that's what, that was his wish. He's like, maybe things would be better. Okay. So he goes to the other holidays and he sees... Like St. Patrick's Day, which is now called Satan's Pat- Patrick's Day. And then Easter is called Feaster, and it's about a killer bunny. And there's Sin Dependence Day. And he's like, <laughs> I don't want to know what happens in Sin Dependence Day. Sin Dependence Day. I can just hear my kids now. Daddy, what's Sin Dependence? <laughs> Those fireworks. I tell you what, they're a different kind. Oh, by the way, maybe kids shouldn't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this movie will be PG, though. So he, he's looking around. He's like, someone was able to accomplish what I tried to do with Christmas. They ruined everything, and now everything's Halloween. And he goes, once again, life is better without me. And then the angel says, well, let's go see Sally. And he's like, Sally, my love. His Sally, sister. my love. My sister. Not his sister. Sally, I love you. And he sees that she was given to... Like more than a sister. She was given to Oogie Boogie because Oogie Boogie was never stopped. In fact, Oogie uh, Boogie given is... Given to Oogie Boogie? Please, women are not possessions, Ken. <laughs> well, you know, she was... Yeah, I'm not going here. <laughs> <laughs> Defend yourself, sir. Yeah. And so Oogie Boogie is the Mr. Potter character. He is the one that owns the town. He is the one that has corrupted every other holiday. What's Christmas called? Uh, that's a Kent mess. <laughs> it's actually it's called, evil. It's called Krampusmas. Krampus. Uh, Krampus. Krampus. <laughs> so stupid. Anyways, so he he sees how sad Sally is, and that's kind of when he finally gets the picture. Like maybe this isn't good for me to be gone. And then he goes through and he goes, "Well, let, show me the show me the human. Show me how they celebrate Halloween. And since every other holiday is Halloween as well, and so the guardian angel takes him, and he realizes that no one celebrates any holiday anymore because when you have twelve Halloweens a year. Nobody cares. It's even worse than when he originally went back. Okay. And so no one celebrates any holiday. And so this is when he decides he has this. He's enlightened. And he runs through the streets. He says, like, I want to exist. It's, it's basically, like I said, it's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. I like it. And so he uh, finally, the guardian uh, tells Jack, I'm your sister that <sighs> died. And she, she actually the guardian became a Sally guardian the angel. Whole time. It's not weird. Sally. That's weird. And, and Jack has a, a responsibility to save every holiday. And so he runs through the streets in the human realm and he scares everyone in superhero costumes. He, ins- he inspires fear in the Halloween season again. And he joins back with his loved ones. And at the end, they sing, this is Halloween. And so hey. he's back. How does that one go? This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 Odd Lang <laughs> this, this sounds like a Halloween movie to me, actually. This is a Halloween movie, but obviously, once again, with the Christmas twist. And where, I, where was the Christmas twist? Well, it's a wonderful life. Can't miss oh, you okay. Mean? But I mean, they do that in other movies as well. There was no Christmas element in there. Yeah, that's true. 
It wasn't like it's it wasn't like Number for Christmas where Halloween ends as soon as the movie begins and then they yes. start Christmas. But I've always wanted to kind of see Jack take on this mantle. Like I don't want to see him just depressed again because he kind of was in the first movie. But I, I do want to see him kind of go through this journey of, of exploration. Like who he's not he Bat- is. Batman. He's not Batman because he has to be. He's Batman because he wants to be. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so yes, he does save Halloween at the end. There is actually a song called Hot Topic, and there's something. Cold what are you gonna in Hot pick? Topic. Hot topic. <laughs> but basically how hot topics ruin Nightmare Before Christmas as well. So It's a Wonderful Afterlife is the sequel that 25 years after the original movie, I believe, should come out. I like that. Original, original I, like that I like that twist on it. Yeah. I, and I think it could work. It could legitimately work. Actually. Hey, Tim Burton, Henry Selleck, give me a call. Yeah. Jake? It's no Thrine Wolf. Is that what it was called? Thrine Wolf. Thrine Wolf. Thrine Wolf? Do you remember the name? I can't remember the name. <laughs> it's the it's, word three with an N on it. It's it's no it's no Thrine Wolf. <laughs> but yeah, I'll green light that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. This, it's, not, it's not a pity green light. You're feeling yet. generous tonight, huh? No, no. That's, I'm just going to give you guys what you earn. That's all. That's okay. all there is to it. Yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for your help with that, Joel. No, I like that. I yeah. think that's actually, I'd watch that. I think it's a good twist. Um, Kent, do you want to go, since we're doing every other one, you want to go with you again? Yes. So this one is, is our adaptation. This is just when you say, Kent, would you like to keep talking? Yeah. (laughs) Sure, guys. Yes, I would. (laughs) Uh, Is this a pitch show? Of course I will. (laughs) Pitch show. Perfect. So this is my adaptation idea. And I went pretty standard with this one, but I feel like I'm surprised this hasn't happened yet. Is it edgy enough? It's, it's edgy enough. I'll I'll tell you what. Okay. I saw the devil. (laughs) Part two, <laughs> the devil saw me. Ooh, I like that title. A group of young tweens. That's a good title. <clears throat> we, need a, we need a better voice than that, Kent. <clears throat> you ready? Yeah. Ready. You ready? A group of young tweens were just looking for something fun to do instead of typical night games. Little did they know that entering an abandoned pizza chain would lead to a nightmare beyond anything they've ever experienced. They'll soon realize that Freddy Fazbear's is where kids can no longer be kids. Five nights at Freddy's. Join, join us for... One night at Freddy's. Oh, rated R. Rated R? Yeah, probably. Okay, now if you don't know what Five Nights at Freddy's is, it's a like video me. game. It's a, it's a video game. Because Jacob, I don't know if you know a lot about video games, but uh, it's a video she game. taught a class about them. But <laughs> I hope he knows. <laughs> but it's where you. It's really. It's a dumb video game. It's a dumb video game. You sit in a control room on the first one, and you look at monitors on the screen, and you're in like a Chuck E. Cheese pizza place after hours. And the animatronic robots come to life. And all you do is just check cameras and close doors and turn off vents from your control room. And if you don't do it right, the monsters will come in and kill you. But it's, And you check cameras so they don't oh, surprise you through the side so doors. Boring. But it's about it, it does look really boring. But it's all about jump Have you not scares. played it? No, I've, I've seen a lot, a lot of Let's Plays. Here's the thing. It, it's a really like boring game. It's really, I'm sure, easily programmed. But it was a phenomenon because the jump scares are, are fun. And honestly... We went to Chuck E. Cheese two years ago. We remember how weird it is to see to see those animals up on stage and not moving and go, or like some guy dressed up as Chuck E. Cheese, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Where are we?" Like it's 2015, <laughs> you guys. They, they don't even have the animatronics as much anymore. They have the one Chuck E. Cheese who will occasionally move, but yeah. they don't. Even, I miss the band. But that's what the whole thing. And so there are, I think, five games in this series now, and it's created this really weird and expansive mythology about. What's controlling these these animatronics? Right. Who was the one responsible for it? And there's even novels about this now. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenon. So this one was meant to this movie was meant to come out last year. It had it's they were going to do it. It's had yeah, it's had two directors drop out. It's had a budget approved. It's had wait, writers. Wait, so Five Nights at Freddy's or Star Wars? Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay. Oh, <laughs> hey, oh, right there. Jason. Wait, wait, wait. So are you pitching a movie that people are actually trying to make? Uh, yes, but they, 
at this point, but unsuccessfully. the director or sorry, the creator of the game said it's probably not going to happen. So do you have a, you have a story to go along? This, I right? do. All right. Let's hear it. It better be good. The movie begins with this. A kid in a security uniform, he's about 20 years old, flees a, fr- a pizza franchise at night. And so he's like bursts out of the door and the door is left slightly ajar. He looks back as he's running through the parking lot and sees through the window two red eyes that are not from Horror Express. <laughs> and they're looking at him from the window. He feels safe under the streetlight, but still runs to the car. He, he drops his keys. He trips a few times, but he, he still finally pulls away, peels out of the parking lot. And then we see it one night at Freddy's. All of a sudden, camera pans to some new characters. We have a group of tweens, like I said, mm-hmm. and they're really excited for the first big slumber party of summer. You know, like they're gonna like they're gonna play night games. What should we do? And one of the kids says, "Hey, I was listening to my I was eavesdropping. My sister was on a phone call, and she said, his sister Sally? His sister Sally. <laughs> Everyone has a <laughs> sister Sally. There. She and all of her friends are gonna go to this pizza place that's abandoned. It's been abandoned for about 15 years, and we should go in and spy on it. And all these kids are like, "Yeah, I don't know." And then of course peer pressure takes over, so they do. And they go wait, there. Wait, wait. So they're spying on, they're making someone stay there and spying on them while no, they're No, so they there? thought the, these older kids were going to go to this pizza place. And so they're like, look, it's our first big, big sleepover. Let's go there and follow them. Okay. But here's the thing. They go into this pizza place and there's no older kids. It's only these young kids. And I would say they're about 12 and 13. Oh, Sally tricks them. And I'm, I'm putting these guys as young kids because this year, for some reason, like kids are big business in horror. We, we have it. This is a rated R movie. I know. Then that's kind of what I'm trying to find the in between. <laughs> well, that's just because kids are in peril. Yeah, yeah. Well, kids are in peril, but these being 13 year olds, maybe we didn't have the kids. Annabelle was rated R. What? What's what that? You mumbled. I could not hear. No, me. I'm just saying it's maybe like. Don't like maybe they're since maybe since they're not six or seven in peril. There's maybe if it's just annoying teenagers, mm. then yeah, it's a chant. But like Annabelle, you know, had a bunch of kids that were being haunted, and obviously it kids being haunted. Right. Stranger Things. It's big business this year. Haunt your kids. I want to traumatize kids for money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a great quote. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they get to Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. The door locks behind them. Then all of a sudden they realize they're in the this, this security room. And they, they look around. They see cameras. They see tapes. They see an old phone just left there. Like this guy who left, left in a hurry. And so then they begin the struggle in the longest night of their lives. And so basically, they walk through this abandoned place with only flashlights and then blinking lights because all the, the lights are off and everything. And they see these animatronics kind of like sitting random places. And of course, these animatronics start stalking them. And then and we're seeing animatronics like they're to give you an idea, Jacob, what they look like. Like because you know what the yeah Chuck E. Cheese ones look like. But these are kind of rotted away, so you can see some of the exoskeleton. You can see some of the like metal, a rotted away bear, right, right, right. or a yeah. chicken. Okay. Yeah, or, yeah. And so you can see they're they're kind of they're creepy looking. And so basically, it will be things like you'll see these kids walk by a wind or a mirror or whatever, and you'll see this rusted old rabbit standing in the back, just standing there, because these things don't often move unless they're attacking. Here's the thing: there will be a few jump scares here, but unlike the game, I don't want to rely on it because I'd like the movie to have some longevity. Longevity, yeah, longevity. And so. I want this movie to be pretty terrifying, and these animals, or the yeah, these animatronics, they want to basically kill the kids, and so they can take their souls, and the kids then become the animatronics themselves. I'm not going to get too deep into the mythology, but we're going to leave it there. And so here's the thing. By the end of the movie, this security guard, because it's like the next day, comes back to burn down the pizza place because he was stuck there for five nights. He's actually the guy from the first game mm. that he was stuck there you know, the whole time. Scared for his life, finally was able to escape. He comes back to burn it down. He starts burning it down, saves the, the remaining kids because some will die. 
And then the fire station comes, they put out the fire, and then the person who owns the building puts up another thing. Like they kind of start rebuilding and they say, help wanted, security guard wanted at the end of the movie. And this leads to the sequel, Two Nights at Freddy's. So you're planning a five movie franchise? Uh, uh, How could you not? Here's the thing. I'm shocked (laughs) this movie hasn't been made yet. Not my movie, but I'm shocked. A Five Nights at Freddy's movie has been made because the brand is huge. But the story is weak. How big is the brand? I've never even heard of it. It's big. It's like, big. The, How all, old is this video game? Uh, four years old. Yeah, about that. Hmm. And there's five games and they're all, look, it's all kind of a joke because the gameplay is really simple, but the name is big. In one of the games, I believe you're a baby in a crib. And it's yes. like kind of how it all started. And like you have to check your the sides of your crib and the window and... You just kind of in the story apparently there's this guy called the purple man and he's the one that killed a bunch sorry this is getting dark he killed a bunch of kids at a birthday party at freddy fazbear's and these kids eat their spirits are each in each of the animatronics and that's and all the animatronics haunts. have names and there's there's toys so and if the costumes. kids are in the animatronics then why are the animatronics hunting more people well, they, they were well, just it's like it's like the grudge you know if something is someone's killed in a tragic way they haunt that residence you know okay. it doesn't matter one way or the other yeah so no, I like that part though. I like so, that they're trapping the kids. And that's, souls and and that's the plan. So it's One Night at Freddy's. It's directed by David Sandberg, who did Lights Out and Annabelle Creation. Jacob, let me give you a visual nice. here. I just Googled Five Nights at Freddy's so you can see that's kind it. of the picture of what these things look like. Looks friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Real <laughs> more friendly. Like, more like Five Nights at Friendly's. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Five Nights at Friendly's. Dang it, I should have called it that. Nah. <laughs> so that's my pitch One Night at Freddy's. One Night at Freddy's. I have to say, I was gonna, I wasn't gonna green light it. Right. Until, I had a feeling. Until you the deeper you said, mythology, you which actually won't be, ex- it won't be explained until the second or third movie. Though I, I do like that. Well, just just the mythology that you said about how they're they're gonna trap more kids' souls and the kids are trapped yeah. in there. And that's, that's the intent. Jacob likes that. It's kind of horrifying. It is. That it is, is kind it of horrifying. Is. Now, I wasn't in until then, and then that that's it. So it, yeah, I'll green light that. One and too. the thing is, you could easily make this PG thirteen because I'm not gonna rely on blood, but there are gonna be kids in peril, so that would probably make it rated R. And I hate to do that because it's like a teenager type movie. You know, this would be better than it, it would be better as a VR experience than a movie. That's what this should be. I'm pretty sure they got a VR game. Com- they have to have a VR game. Dude, that out. is a great idea. That, yeah. I, I'm green like that all the way. That sounds perfect for VR. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for the green light. <sighs> Joel. All right. So my adaptation is a movie I'm going to call Smile. And it I'm is creeped an, out already. And it is an adaptation of Bernice by Edgar Allan Poe. Have you guys heard of Bernice? Yeah. You have? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't remember it. I don't, yeah, I don't recall the content, but well, I, I do know the name. Poe has so many adaptations of his work. Like there's eight black cat adaptations and 11 Telltale Heart and a bunch of Pit and the Pendulum. But Bernice is, is a lesser known work of Poe that horrified me the first time I read it. Gosh, yeah. I can't I need I to remember what it is. I can't you're going to catch on eventually because yeah. if you remember, like the, in fact, it, it was when it was first published, it was deemed too gruesome. And subsequent publishings, he had to edit out certain parts. Really? Yes. Oh, like Sally being the sister the whole time? Yeah, Sally being the sister the whole time. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) That's a good theme. (laughs) Uh, I'll give you the synopsis on this one just to give you kind of a heads up what it's about. So a man in Victorian England, so this is set kind of in older times, Mm -hmm. uh, finds himself haunted by the unnatural smile of his dying fiance. And this is going to be directed by Guillermo del Toro. Because uh, you know that you'll, you'll, of you'll understand why going big, and it's going to start Ezra Miller as the main protagonist. Ezra hmm. Miller, remind me who that is. He's going to be Flash. He's yeah, in he's going to be being a wallflower. He was yeah. he was in, and it was because of his performance uh, that I didn't like that much, but I thought he could play the part in Beast, Fantastic Beast, and Where to Find oh, Them. Oh yeah, he was the weird kid with the weird Credence. haircut. Yeah, oh, okay. Uh, and then Elle Fanning is going to be the the oh yeah creepy face. 
Well, she does. It's not her nickname. It's I just she does have a one. Lovely young woman. Crumpy? Is that what you said? <laughs> yep, Crumpy Face. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. Can we call this movie Crumpy Face? No, we're calling it Smile. Okay. So here we go. <clears throat> Ella Fanning's Crumpy Face. That's what we'll call it. Jairus, a sickly man living in Victorian England, is betrothed to a vibrant young woman named Bernice. However, almost immediately after their engagement, Bernice falls ill. Her illness, he's told, causes her to fall in a trance-like state, often becoming unresponsive for hours at a time. Jairus begins to feel somewhat responsible for Bernice's mysterious illness, as if he were draining the life from her, and he begins to fixate on things such as watching shadows creep across the lawn for an entire evening, or watching a flame flicker for an entire night. One day, as Jairus is visiting with Bernice's parents, he looks up to see her standing there, staring at him, or rather, through him. The illness has taken its toll on her. Her face looks withered, and her skin looks gray, and her hair is matted. Slowly, she comes out of her trance. Her sunken eyes focus on him. She recognizes him, and she smiles. But Bernice's broad smile makes Jairus's blood run cold. Her teeth are abnormally white, especially when compared to her now dull complexion, and he begins to fixate on that. As the scheduled wedding date approaches, Jairus begins to see Bernice's smile appear on paintings in the study and on the faces of guests at dinner. He is horrified to even look in the mirror for fear that he'll see a bright, white, toothy smile on his own face. The day before they are to be married, Jairus receives word that Bernice has passed away. And as they're lowering her casket into the ground later that evening, he swears he can see her face smiling at him through the lid. That night, Jairus is tortured by terrible nightmares about being eaten alive by Bernice's bright, white teeth. He screams and wakes up only to realize that someone else is screaming outside his door. A maid bursts into the room and tells him to go to Bernice's grave immediately. He rushes outside to the cemetery, only to find that her grave has been dug open. He also hears chilling moans coming from the freshly uncovered plot. He carefully approaches and looks down, and is shocked to discover that Bernice had been buried alive, and her face is covered in blood. Horrified, Jairus rushes back to his room and packs his bags, unable to stay another moment. The maid enters and begins to speak, but stops short and points toward the wall with a look of terror on her face. Jairus turns to see a shovel caked in dirt, propped against the window, and next to it, a pair of muddy boots and a dirty coat crumpled up on the floor. Jairus, fearing what he might have unconsciously done, stumbles back and knocks a small box off the dresser. It falls heavily to the floor, and from it, with a rattling sound, there rolls out some instruments of dental surgery intermingled with 32 small, white, and ivory-looking substances that scatter to and fro across the floor. It's getting dark, Joel. Jairus breaks down. <laughs> Jairus breaks down and is caught up in a fit of uncontrollable laughter, and his crazed smile mirrors the same smile of that, the same smile of Bernice's that haunted him for so long. Smile. <laughs> So kids, uh, <laughs> you cast that Where's the perfectly. parental guidance warning first? Uh, Ezra Miller, like I pictured him that entire time, and that was very well cast. I uh, I don't I didn't like his performance in Fantastic Beasts, but I was like he could play this role Absolutely. of this kind of sickly pale bookworm type. Yeah, yeah, good, good. And Elle Fanning, I, I just saw her in a in a movie recently. Hopefully, um, it wasn't Neon Demon. It was We Bought a Zoo, and <laughs> <laughs> terrifying. And she Elle has Fanning this like she has this really broad like smile like. A really kind of big smile, and I, it just was when I thought about who to cast. I thought, who's a young actress that's up and coming? That oh yeah, Elle Fanning, who's yeah. the younger sister of Dakota Fanning, actually. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, but she was, yeah, she was in We Bought a Zoo, we, uh, Neon Demon. What else has she been in? I can't even remember. Uh, right Super now. 8. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she mm-hmm. was in Super 8. That's right. So there you go. Guillermo del Toro, I think, could bring the right amount of atmosphere to this. And I debated whether, whether to put this in like modern times or keep it back from Victorian. Yeah, thank you for keeping it Victorian. But I wonder if Victorian is going to keep people away from watching it. No, I, I actually don't think so, because I think it the thing that works for the woman in black with Daniel Radcliffe... I almost called him Harry Radcliffe. Harry Radcliffe. I think it's because it was a gothic horror. Because that movie is really just a jump scare movie, but it the mood felt yeah. right. And a lot of this, like this really, like there's not much that happens in the story. It really is kind of about that twist at the end, um, which is horrifying. Like I remember the first time I read it, I'm like, are you kidding me? He pulled out her teeth. So is this kind <laughs> of like, is is the does the fear in this movie, is it a slow burn? Does it come from his visions of her smile? Yes. Or does it come from, do small things happen to haunt him along the way? It's Well, he has, it, it, when I had a much longer version of this pitch, Aww, which I, I talked I got down, the whole thing. Uh, it talked about just how it, he would see her smile in places and then it would become her in corporeal form after she died and he would start seeing her like just kind of take over people's faces. And it's that broad smile that I just kept seeing in my head. It creeped me out. Huh? But yeah. And I, I can see it being like, you know, with a lot of pose adaptations, they kind of meld a bunch of stories together. Yeah. I could see this being mixed with a couple other stories to kind of add in extra amounts of horror. I was just going to say, I, th- I feel like it needs a little bit more cushion around there. Like well, extra, uh, like there's cushion and then there's sub-plots. filler. I don't think you can go too much with filler, but maybe at her funeral or, or something, That's a, a woman who has always had her eye on him and maybe they've always kind of had this thing going. Mm-hmm. She smiles at him and he sees Elle's smile. Yes. In her as well. And so he cannot even look at any other woman because that terrible, terrible yeah. smile. Well, and it has this whole concept of monomania, which I really, I, I, I read up a lot on that, which is, is that just, where you get really tired after kissing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but monomania, it, it, it can be ascribed to a bunch of different things because it's just fixating on one thing. And so a lot of people say like, I mean, even anorexia can be traced back to uh, monomania because you're focusing on one thing and obsessive over one thing. And a lot of obsessive compulsive disorders come from this too. So I think a lot of horror could come from that because it's, yeah. I think the fear of being driven mad is something we all fear and doing things unconsciously without even thinking about it is a scary thought. Absolutely. So there you go. Smile is just the name of it. And it's going to be, I already saw the typography. It's going to be that kind of, uh, it's going to be the shape of a smile. The words. Perfect. So Jake, I feel like you're worried about the box office here. I feel like that's where your mind is going. You're wondering about the profitability of smile. No, it's pretty low budget. I mean, Basically, we just have to go to Victorian England and film people <laughs> being really depressed. <laughs> no, I'm not worried about that at all. All right. You're Jacob. worried about it, though. No, I'm waiting for your green light or your... Uh, I really hate to do this to you, Joel, but it's going to have to be greenlit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're so kind. You jerk. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's too it's too creepy not to. Uh, well, it, it would stand out, honestly, in the genre. And really, I think I think that reading the, the short story, because it's only like a couple pages long. It's not that long at all. But it is horrifying. And, well, and this would have to be an actor's type movie yeah. where the fear really comes from what this character goes through. Yeah, if you have the acting there, like if it's really there, this movie's fantastic, right? right. This would this will stay with you. I just don't. Well, I, I kind of know why it's never been done before because it is horrifying. Yeah, the ending is kind of like there's really no. I mean, there's not a happy ending in a Wait, lot of horror movies. But so in the story, does he dig her up and pull out her teeth? Is yes, that what happens? That's what happened. In fact, the only part I added in was uh, that he starts smiling like her. Like I thought that kind of be a good kind of. Oh, I'm surprised that there. didn't happen in the story because no, that's perfect. It literally, like, I read that. Uh, I read that line almost verbatim, where it talks about the thirty-two small white ivory-looking substances scattered to and fro across the floor. Like that's mm-hmm. where it ends. So there you go, Berenice. 
Hmm. Dude, he digs her up and pulls out her teeth. But oh, he's also, <laughs> also he saved her life. She was buried alive. And he. Wait, she didn't die in the end? Wait, what? No. Like, she's still alive in the grave. Like, she was buried alive and she's still alive and moaning in the book. And that's what. Oh, yeah. You out. said there was moaning. I yeah. forgot that. Yeah. So she's not dead. Like, he, he saved her from being buried alive. So there's a positive twist. And then pulls out her teeth. Well, yes. <laughs> Then, but that was well, the jolt she needed hey, to wake up. Monomania, everybody. Yeah. At least we got some material for the sequel, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the toothless phantom. Gummy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Give me a kiss. And then does it hit me again for original? And then we go. Yeah. Okay. Joel. Well, let's hear the original so pitch. So this is the original pitch. Are you ready for these original pitches? They are the longest of the three, I imagine. <laughs> they are. They are the longest of the three, but it's okay because... I'm so it, excited Halloween's for your original about, pitch. Halloween's all about creating an atmosphere, you know, yes. creating a mood. All right. And by the way, Hollywood executives, as long as you treat us good and don't expect favors in return, um, please call us <laughs> and... Uh, favors us, are fine. Don't listen to him. Nope. Yeah. No, all, these ideas are, all these ideas are trademarked and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, call us and make sure that uh, we can work for you because I have a lot of ideas in my back pocket. Literally, in my back pocket. Let, let me see. <laughs> Look, Joel. You did not put that in your back pocket. magic trick. What do you have back there? Oh, <laughs> looks like a pack of Skittles and a lighter. <laughs> weird what do you do don't worry about it is that a spoon it's a trick (laughs) (laughs) oh that's getting weird yes okay so my original work is called stonehaven and it feels like that is something already i've I've heard that name in something it's not stonehurst asylum stonehurst stonehaven i looked it up and i didn't find another stonehaven movie all right i mean it's a cool name that's why we feel like we've heard it before yeah so I want that's because I want to set the move with Stonehaven. And I'll give you the synopsis once again on this one. This isn't like Thrine Wolf where I have to reveal it at the end. I think it's Thrine Wolf. This idea actually is one I've had for a while. In fact, when we were talking about doing a pitch show and you said an original movie, I'm like, I don't got anything. And I went, oh, there was that one. Okay. I'm excited. So synopsis. After a number of mysterious deaths in the reservoir, the creators of the new Stoneha- Stonehaven Resort discover that the lake may be haunted. <gasps> a haunted lake story. No. Wait, During, that's, that's it? Well, no, that's the, that's the oh. synopsis. No, I get it, but like, uh, it seems pretty simple. Yeah. Meaning, meaning I'm hoping for some complexity here. There will be. Uh, also, the director uh, will be James Wan. Of course. Who did, uh, he did Saw. The Insidious. Saw, but he did Insidious. And don't say, and don't say uh, he did Saw, because Saw 1 and Saw 2. The first Saw, saw two, is good. They're both good. But he did Insidious and The Conjuring, and I thought he could really kind of pull this together. Yes. Um, did the, he do Doctor Strange, too? No, 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 no. No, no. Who was that? Looking it up. Oh, that was uh, the guy who did Sinister. It was Scott Derrickson. That's why I'm getting mixed yeah, up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Scott Derrickson. Anyway, uh, and then this is going to be starring Ed Harris, Sarsha Ronan, and Freddie Highmore. Oh, so, Freddie Highmore, so Freddie creepy. Highmore? And it's not Freddie just Bates Highmore. Motel, although that helped. Ed Harris, you, you'll know Ed Harris. He's like in uh, Truman Show and Apollo 13. Like he's yeah. he's in Mother. He's um, very recognizable. And then Sarsha Ronan, uh, she was. Does she do stuff still? What's that movie she just did? The the one name Lady Bird. No, 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 no. Her her name. It's just the one name. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. That was last year. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, she's in that. I she, love you, Saoirse. And then Freddie Highmore. He was he was in uh, Finding Neverland. Finding Neverland, but re- more recently in Bates Motel. Yeah. So he's very good <clears throat> in Bates Motel, by the way. Is he the very good, good. The doctor one now. Is yeah, that the him? good doctor. Yeah, yeah, he's in that he ba- he basically plays uh, Norman Bates, but as a Norman smart Bates doctor slash Doogie Howser. Yes, but that's not what this movie's about. <laughs> So this movie, <clears throat> I'll start off with the opening and then I'll get it more into story. But the opening scene I wanted to kind of set. I want more theater voice. A man is standing alone on the deck of a boat in the water. Slowly, a shadowy hand reaches up from the water toward his ankle. A woman below deck hears a scream and a splash and rushes up to see what happened. 
She can't find the man, but when she leans over the rail to look into the water, she sees a ghostly face smiling up at her. Ooh, apparently I have a theme. Yeah. She screams. Sally. <laughs> yeah. She screams and is pulled under, and the boat sits silently on the water. So that's kind of the opening scene, kind of setting the tone here. Okay. As so it's like a, the beginning of like a Jaws right. movie almost. Kind of. And then it's like, boom, roll credits right yeah. there. Okay. It's like, then it's like Stonehaven. As soon as the newly remodeled Stonehaven Resort opens, the owners begin to encounter a series of unusual misfortunes. Thick mists begin to appear around boats in the water, preventing them from getting to shore and causing accidents. And people are going missing. A body washes up on the shore, but when they have it examined, they're surprised to find out that the remains are over 100 years old. The investigation also reveals dead zones in the water where nothing can float. Ooh. The owners close the lake, leaving, do- leaving dozens of abandoned boats and jet skis on the water, hoping the closure will stop the problem. But then, but then the haunting starts to go beyond the lake. It starts appearing wherever the water supply is used, and the ghosts start to appear in cabin bathrooms, kitchens, and even parts of the forest. As the chaos grows, a group of resort employees start to investigate the hauntings and discover the true story of Stonehaven's history. Where the reservoir is now used to be a big mining town. However, after the mine closed in 1910, only a few families remained. Seven years later, the government purchased the valley to expand the reservoir next to the town and give the townspeople 30 days to move out despite their protests and refusal to leave. On schedule, the government demolished the dam and flooded the town without checking to see if anyone was still there. Everyone presumed it was just a ghost town by that point. However, one of the employees remember hearing a strange story from her grandfather who was shipped off to World War I, and when he came home, his town was missing. The soldier had tried to contact his family, but could never find them. They soon realized that the families that remained didn't leave. They were buried in their homes under the water. Then, people start acting strangely because of the drinking water. They become possessed and begin to stalk and kill each other. And in the end, only the descendant of the town resident is left alive, and she wanders off alone into the forest. The next day, a delivery driver comes to the resort. He can't find anyone, but he follows his orders and drives off with the first dozen with the first of a dozen trailers full of Stonehaven bottled water. Ooh. So uh, that's Stonehaven in a nutshell. I kind of gave the whole entire synopsis. Is there like a journey or adventure that like Freddy is going on or? Well, and, and it's more like the bulk of the story is going to take place when they're trying to stay alive. Once the possessions start to take place, like, oh, OK, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. it becomes, so there's the mystery element and then yes. there's also the slow possession. Yes. Like it, it's, it's the it progresses. It goes on because first it's just people on the water and then it right. expands to beyond. People are starting to get haunted and there's going to be weird things that occur. But then when people start acting strangely because of the drinking water. Because you only go so long without drinking water, <laughs> it's right. gonna get you. Uh, and there's there's some there's gonna be some sort of confrontation with the ghost and the descendant of the actual relative hmm. who will probably leave her alone. But the reason I got this is because I was driving in uh, up around towards Park City, and I was by the Rockport Reservoir, and I could see like a ghost, a foundation, like oh. in the water. And come to find out, actually in Rockport, Utah. There is a city, like there's foundations and streets under the water there because they flooded that area. And it's wow. uh, back in 1940. Imagine no. diving under there and seeing that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. And that's what, that's what, because you guys know that one of my big fears is things in, under the water that are yep. bigger than me. But yeah. Like sinking ships. Well, it's both yeah, of you. That gets me. Um, but yeah, apparently Rockport was a city and it had about a hundred people in it. And then, uh, once things started kind of dwindling down, only about 27 families were there. And then in the 1950s, the government decided to construct the Wenship Dam and people didn't want it, but the government kind of superseded and said, no, we're building this and forced everyone out. 
So the Rockport Reservoir is there now. And what it says, when the water level is low, old foundations and streets can sometimes be seen. And then this is one of my favorite parts. The only remnant of Rockport above water is the little cemetery sitting on a ridge above the lake. What? <laughs> and I went, that's awesome. That and, is awesome. And in fact, some of the historic buildings in Rockport were moved to Pioneer Village in Lagoon. Oh, really? So some huh. of those buildings they have there, the historic Great. ones are from that. That's why it's haunted. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was, really was that idea of just having a city completely submerged underwater that kind of gave me this idea. And I thought it could be a fun it's like a ghost story, but then it turns into a slasher once they start getting possessed yeah. and, and fighting each other. So it's a ghost, it's a supernatural movie slash slasher movie. And uh, I thought that uh, Saoirse Ronan going to be the descendant and Freddie Heimer is going to be the love interest that you think is going to make it to the end, but he doesn't. Yeah. And Ed Harris is the greedy uh, owner who kind of, you know, he doesn't know about the town, but he just wants to make money with this new resort that he built up. So. Right. Stonehaven, which uh, Stonehaven, Rockport, Get it? (laughs) (laughs) We got it at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. No, you get that greenlit for sure. All three greenlits? I'm afraid so. Yay. It's going to be really sad. I still never want to do another pitch show, but. (laughs) Hey, we have to. It's going to be another seven. I have to turn down Kent's final original, but (laughs) other than that, no. Well, now I'm worried. It's super, it is super creepy. Like a whole town underwater. That is, that's a good effect. There's, there's, if you Google um, underwater cities, there's a, a list of them that are out there. And some of those pictures really do just give me the willies. Just. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like a normal town, but it's underwater. I read that synopsis. I'd, I'd watch that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Are you guys ready? All three, Joel. Well done. Yeah. Man, I need to be a bigger jerk. I didn't think three. Not Wolf. now. Don't decide now. I didn't think three <sighs> Wolf was going to make the cut, but <laughs> I like how you're waiting to trade that one. <laughs> Man, I've really got to make up for this somehow, Joel. I don't know how. Anyway, your turn, Ken. Pizza? <laughs> Great. Make up for all the niceness. No expectation here. Are you guys ready for my original idea? I hope so. Yes. Better change my life. The average human sleeps for seven hours a day. You are entirely vulnerable for several hours at a time every single night. Yet, it's not intruders you should worry about. Instead, there are beings that have watched you sleep since you were a child. Jeez. Horror stays for a nightcap in We Know You. All right, you guys ready? That was creepy. You, you creeped out already? Except for the nightcap part, but... But I mean, that's, you know, I can see there's a tagline though. Horror yes, stays for a nightcap. That is the tagline. Yeah. What's a nightcap, Kent? It's where you go to someone's house and drink some milk. <laughs> if you drink some milk and you talk and you have you just you can watch a movie. That's basically it, right? Yeah. That's yeah. It. It's all on Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> go into it. You got all the time in the world. The film opens. We follow a woman running through the halls of a hotel. She is frantic and running away from something that we cannot see. She finally makes it to the elevator, hits several buttons, but the door won't close. She hears a voice calling her from the hallway. She leans Sally. She, she leans out and backs into the, the elevator. As she steps into the hallway, something grabs her arms and starts twisting her limbs. She regains composure and calls her therapist, Dr. Peter Whitaker. All she can say very is specific. That is very specific. Because he's the main character. All she can say is, Dr. Whitaker, I can't sleep. Won't sleep. It won't let me go. It's always there. The elevator door closes and the phone goes dead. Open titles. We know you. Hmm. And I don't know if that story sounds familiar, but it's the story of Elisa Lamb, the woman in the elevator. Oh, oh no. Oh, God, no. Ken, you just gave me the chills. Yep. Oh, no. I don't know what you're talking about. The- oh. Okay. Ken, or Joel's having a seizure, but maybe you should explain. <laughs> close the window. I know. <laughs> you really going to close the window? <laughs> that video creeps me out. <laughs> <laughs> just close the window. <laughs> if anyone wants to be creeped out, 
Go check out is open too. Say Elevator Video or Elisa, The Mystery of Elisa Lam. Okay? Oh, God. Two weeks later, Dr. Whitaker watches the news two weeks later and sees that his patient, the woman who called him, has been found in the water tank of the hotel mm-hmm. where she was at. He thinks back to the call and has flashbacks to their sessions when, because he's her therapist. She had constant paranoia about being followed throughout the sessions, and we're going to see this in a flashback. But Peter is nagged by a reoccurring theme that she always brought up, which was her sleep disorder. And so that inspires him. He goes, what? What was it about that? He really is nagged by this this thing that he's going like, how could I have helped her? What was that call all about? And so he starts a therapy group for those suffering with sleep disorders. He puts out a little notice. And he says, if you, if you suffer with these, come talk to me. Let's start a group and so we can help each other out. And so he says, if you have like increase, increasing depression and paranoia, let me help you. So this group starts out like a normal meetup group. Few people go into specifics, just kind of saying how lack of sleep affects their lives. But then one of them brings up the feeling of being watched while they sleep. He tells the story and everyone in the group is shaken. They all start talking at once and Peter tells them it would be better for the study if they met one-on-one with him so no results are skewed because he really wants to find ah, out yeah. if these people share anything. One-on-one. Right? Oh, no, no, no. We get it. We get it. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> the end. So so basically, this movie will be sessions for the next little bit. So each of these sessions describe, these people describe their stories being visited at night to varying degrees of terror. So we're going to see these as flashbacks then. These are going to be like horror vignettes. Yes, dramatized flashbacks. Okay. Some of these visitors seem to stand guard and some sound malicious. What this is going to be is a shadow, shadow man story, a shadow people story. Mm-hmm. Things that come visit you at night and sometimes just watch. Sometimes. So are they going to be different creatures each time or is it going to be kind of the same shadow figures? It's It all kind of depends based on the person who is telling the story. Okay. So... So I, uh, I, for example, might see sharks standing there. You might see commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Shadowy uh, commitment. Uh, greenlit? Is that greenlit? <laughs> Thank you, Wait, Joel. is that it? Those are more? No. Okay. So, for example, one story is, oh. is based, one of these patients is based on my brother who suffers with hypnopompic hallucinations. Your brother does? Yes. And so Not this, your sister, Sally. Not my sister, Sally. So he will tell the story to this therapist, Dr. Whitaker, and he'll say, look, I don't think I'm being haunted, but I, I want to tell you this because this thing does wake me up at, all the time. Whereas like 10 years ago, when I was first married, I would see people like looking in the, in the window and they'd be smiling, but they wouldn't be looking at me necessarily. Yeah, and I've got a theme tonight. Yeah, exactly. Smiling. Yeah. In the window. Pull out their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> or for example, he would see like a janitor standing in his closet and just kind of walking back and forth. And he'd stand up and his wife, like this always happened. His wife would say, uh, what's wrong? Why are you awake? What are you doing? And because he wasn't quite awake and he wasn't quite asleep, like is literally right in between. Mm-hmm. He was seeing someone walk through their, their main bathroom and their main closet. And he just didn't know what was going on. And he had to take some time to wake up and be like, oh yeah, duh, I'm not seeing anything. But over the, over the years, and this is a true story. Well, true based on his perception these things started interacting with him. They started pretty gentle, just like yeah, visions. Give me the willies. Well, I mean, like, if, could if close that window too. If it's a dream, then yeah, they would interact. That makes perfect sense. So yeah. for example, he saw two girls walk into a walk through the master bedroom and they started walking to the bathroom door and they were holding hands, just two little girls together. And then he, but he sat up in bed. Like this is him. He literally sat up in bed, not even in his dream. And he watched him and he kind of sat there really silent. And then the big sister looks at a little sister and goes, shh, he sees us. Ah, 
And, and creepy, by the way, dude, this is only <laughs> I got to drive home. At this night. is only a portion of the stories my brothers told me. And he throws it off. He's like, dude, ghosts aren't real. Don't be dumb. I know you like this stuff. And I know you're loving me telling the story. This is just what I deal with. And his wife is like, yep, it's probably once or twice a week of our entire marriage that I've dealt with this. And we kind of just I wait for him to deal with it. Like one time he actually this guy showed up in his bedroom, you know, through his bedroom door, through the hallway. And this guy was smiling at my brother. And he's like, hey, and he's just kind of smiling. And my brother's staring at him because he tries not to react because these people, these things are starting to interact with him. Right. And then all of a sudden this guy pulled out his seven year old son from behind the hallway door and he goes, eh, and then ran. He ran the other way through the hallway. Basically, like he was kidnapping his son and he was showing my brother. Oh, I his, have your, his, son. your brother's son. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. And so my That's brother horrifying. saw a man Jeez. come into the house, grab his son and run. And so my brother stood up and ran through the whole house, looking through the whole house, screaming, give me back my son. Give me back my son. And by this time, people are waking give up. Give me back my son. Yes. I'm Liam Neeson. I'm Brian Mills. <laughs> and then... He, he was like, what am I doing? Because after about three minutes, he kind of snapped out of it. And he said, maybe I'll just go check my son's room. And he did. And his son was asleep. Hmm. He just saw this. And his brain is playing these tricks. Jiminy so Christmas. he has this thing called hypnopompic hallucinations. And sorry, I'm getting away from the point because I have more stories. Well, you're still terrifying me. And it's what happens when your brain tries to make sense out of, let's say, the moon shining on a jacket, sitting on a chair. Mm-hmm. Your brain says, that's a figure and it's about to move. Yeah. You're not awake and you're not asleep. Okay. All right. That's one patient. Let's hear it. Let's hear some more. Well, okay. okay I, w- I want to jump back to something real quick because yes. I reacted pretty strongly and I realized we didn't explain it. So the video that he's talking about, uh, the mysterious case of what's her name? Elisa Lam. It's this video. It's a security cam. It's, it's actual footage of the security cam in an elevator. And this girl goes in there and she seemingly has a conversation with someone who isn't there. Like she's, she's just like, there's no, there's no audio, but she's gesturing and talking and then all of a sudden, her arms just start to move really weird. Oh, just it's, it's me the chills just talking about it now. Terrifying. Well, why do why do you know her name if it's just like random security? Because, camp? No, because they they she went missing after that. It's a huge. It's a big story. Yeah, she went missing after that, and they found her body in the water tower, drowned in the Two water tower later. on the roof. Oh, and do you know why? Ugh. Do you know why? Because the hotel's water was black and it was making people sick. Yeah. Because there's a dead body in the water tank. Yeah. This is not an episode I'm going to let my kids listen to, but <laughs> but no, just that image of her moving her arms. As soon as he said that, I just got the chills and I had to close the blinds. I, I pulled okay. it up on my phone actually while. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Don't don't play that. Don't no, play but that. The, the, the elevator door stays open forever too. Like, and she is acting so strange. And oh, do you know it's why? Bizarre. Because she sees something following her. So. Back to the story, if I may. Oh, you're giving me the willies. Dr. Whitaker makes it his personal obsession, these sleep disorders. Dr. And- Alex Regan. Yeah. So he gets <laughs> in too deep. Exactly. Oh, no, it's Dr. Strand. Sorry. So this is when it... <laughs> Alex was the girl. Yeah. yeah. This is when it starts to go really poorly for Dr. Whitaker. He's having a hypnosis session with oh, a Ken's woman. Oh, it's not done yet. Oh, please. I'm halfway done. <laughs> I thought we were wrapping up. No. Oh, I have... No, he's, that's why he was like, this is Actually, just the Joel, first patient. Joel, There's 12. It gets worse. <sighs> I have another true story. Okay. Okay, so, but before I get there, in the movie... I'm going to watch so much Gremlin Girls This doesn't sound like a movie, though. This sounds episodic. Okay, guys, can I be honest? This is a movie or a podcast I'm currently planning to produce. Okay, let's let's throw it out there. And I've told you about this, right, Jake? (laughs) Yeah, we've talked about this a lot, actually. A Netflix series. I've come up with with this story for it. Okay. Okay, so he's doing a hypnosis session with a woman, and he's like, look, just tell me about what you're seeing when you're sleeping. And let's just go through this. So she's hypnotized, laying on the couch, and he's sitting there. He's like, okay, you're asleep. It's 1130. What are you seeing? So she starts seeing things. (laughs) She starts seeing 
two two guys or two creatures, two women, whatever, two silhouettes come into the room and watch her. And then all of a sudden he's asking questions. And she goes, well, Dr. Whitaker, they're, they're looking at you because she sees kind of him as a shadowy sort of thing. And she sees, sees these things. She, they're looking at you and, and they're they're happy. And he goes, no, 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 don't don't focus on me. Focus on what's happening like last night when you had this this spell. And she goes, no, no. Now they're looking at right behind you. There's one behind you, and he has his hand on your shoulder. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> Joe really gets into it. This creeps me out, man. <laughs> so after that, and I literally say this, crap hits the fan. <laughs> Wait, literally? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it stinks So in there. this is like a Darren Aronofsky film at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's just exactly. all this crap hitting a fan. <laughs> it means so much, though. So he's, he starts having trouble sleeping. He suffers his first bout of sleep paralysis while sleeping in his office. And he starts, things start to kind of build. If you don't know what sleep paralysis is, it, it's a real thing. It's... Your body, when you go to sleep, it will actually release a chemical to keep your body still because when you're moving around in your dream, your body doesn't want you moving around in bed. And sometimes when you're half awake and half asleep, your body still has that chemical in it and you can't move. Okay, you guys guys ready for another true story? This is long and I apologize, but bear with me, please. This is long? What has the rest of this been? (laughs) Exactly. This is a Kent Pitt show. So his next patient, let's call him Ryan, for example. Okay. Poor Ryan. So Ryan says... 60 seconds. I'm just kidding. No, there's no way. Ryan says this. And by the way, this was sent to me by a good friend named Ryan. I think I know this friend named Ryan. A small shadowy figure stands at the foot of my bed staring blankly at me. This is a true story, by the way. Staring blankly blankly at me. Then the figure reaches out and pinches my big toe. And this is by the the beginning of his his hauntings, really. I woke up feeling the pressure of my toe being pinched. Again, these things can all be scientifically explained. So I rationalized that my body was already feeling these sensations and my brain, my brain translated them into a dream version. This is his words then? Yes. A few weeks later, I dreamed about the boy again. For some reason, I knew it was a little boy. He entered the room, opening the door, stands at the foot of the bed, and stared at me, always with a blank stare. No emotion, no expression, just disinterested consideration. Then he turned his consideration towards my new wife and smiles. I wake up at that point realizing my wife is shaking me. Something had freaked her out. She was semi-used to me waking up screaming by now. This is kind of like my brother, honestly. The stuff Mm -hmm. he goes through in in the spouse is like, dude, stop it. You know, basically. I was afraid I had sleep punched her or something. He wrote this. (laughs) I always heard about that happening. By the way, I tried to suffocate my wife when I was sleeping once. Uh, Because I suffer with sleep stuff too. You you knew that story, right? Uh, Slide that in there. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. He said, but he didn't punch her. For one, that's why I don't share the bed with him anymore. <laughs> oh, come on. For one, my wife wasn't looking at me. Instead, she sh- stared out the door to our bedroom, which stood wide open. She says, Why is our door open? Did you get up and get a drink? I shook my head, my heart sinking as I realized this was a very, I very clearly closed the door before going to bed. The place we were at had super thick carpeting that made it impossible for the door to swing open by- on its own. I knew that the shadow boy, or as I started to call him in my head, had opened it in my dream, and that action had somehow, inexplicably, been mirrored in real life. I didn't have the heart to tell my wife about the dream or about the shadow boy, and I explained it off, admitting I must have left it open by mistake. So I sent it to a guy on a podcast, and she'll find out when she hears this episode. Exactly. <laughs> she went back to sleep. I closed the door and climbed back into bed to watch the door. He watched the door till the sun rose. Okay, here's where it gets a little bit crazy. Here's where it gets crazy? <clears throat> and by the way, I'm only sharing a portion of his stories. They are crazy. Man. A long time passed before I saw the shadow boy again. In fact, I never did see that version I thought was a little boy again. The next time I saw him, he had changed. Just like he changed, and there's a it changed from a walk to smoke, to a spider, to a boy, and now to something else. 
We lived in a new apartment and I was in the middle of going to college and working full time, trying to support a pregnant wife who couldn't work at the time. She had inherited a large antique mirror from a great grandmother and we had it hanging on the wall directly above our dresser on the side of my bed. I went to bed restless, worrying about some test or assignment that I had due the next day. Before long, I woke up and in my night terror and soon and the shadow boy, now a man-sized figure, stood in the mirror where my reflection should have been. He stared at me as blankly as always, almost as if he were waiting for something to happen. And something did happen. My wife stood behind me and sat up. She saw the shadow man in the mirror and smiled. Then she pushed me toward the mirror as the shadow man's arms melted through the mirror and latched onto me, pulling me toward him just as he had my very first night terror, which he explains. His wife betrayed him. I fought and screamed and tried to pull away from the shadow man to no avail. He had me and he was not going to let me go. I woke up struggling against my wife's arms. He woke up uh, and his wife was trying to stop him from hurting himself as he fled fled about because he was just like flailing in bed because she hadn't really pushed him toward the mirror. That was just in his dream, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And oh, finally, I came to my senses and apologized, explaining the dream and tried to laugh it off. But at the end of the dream, I knew what happened. The shadow man had fully emerged from the mirror. He wasn't trying to pull me in. He was pulling himself out. And now he was free from whatever world or reality or cage that had trapped him. And that terrified me and still terrifies me. I found a hairline crack on the mirror after that night in the exact same spot where the shadow man emerged. My wife swears that crack had always (laughs) been there, but admitted to never noticing it before that night. By the way, this story goes on, and it has to do with his daughter. And it is terrifying. But you're not going to go there. Bless you, Ryan. I'm not going to go there. Okay. And I'm sorry. I know I'm telling true stories, but I feel like the best scary movies come from true yeah, stories. Like we've, left pitch, we've left pitch here, and now we're just trying scary to keep stories. out Joel. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Joel. <laughs> so here's the thing. These are different patients, and I want this to be a series of vignettes of, of just terrible stories dealing with these shadow people or different sleep disorders, right? And so he actually brings in different people in the group, and I'll kind of wrap up near the end here. And like, he'll talk to like skeptics. He'll talk to like theologians and it's all these people that are like, man, I can't wait to tell Jacob doesn't green light this. <laughs> just, I know exactly. just mess with you after all this time. <laughs> so here's the thing. And the, here's where I think this may go. These visions are very demonic in nature and they have been attached to each person because they know us and have always known us. He, this theologian warns that their only intent is to cause misery. Death isn't even the end result. They'd rather have caused mis- misery and destroy the sanity and true potential of us because they know our weaknesses. So they want us to just suffer for our, our whole lives. And they are playing the long game. There's no like They're immediate like, like hey, go crazy. I'm scaring you in your sleep. Yeah, like Tyler Perry. <laughs> the long game of suffering. <laughs> I don't want to kill you. I just want to make you suffer. So several things happen, but here's where the movie ends. Are you ready? Dr. Whitaker closes his eyes and he wakes up, his body in paralysis. He looks at the door and can't help but stare. He manages to squeak at a, Why? A voice from the side of the bed speaks to him. Your questions do you no favors. It's Sally. By asking why, you invited us here. Peter's eyes dart to the other side of the bed. Mm. He sees another figure. The voice continues. Your gift is simply living, and we cannot tolerate the freedom you have. Several more people appear at the foot of the bed. One skulking figure crawls up the bed past his feet and grabs his hands, twisting them. The voices grow. We've been watching. We've been waiting. And we know you. Roll credits. Yep, goosebumps. <laughs> Definite goosebumps. Directed by Kerry Fukunaga. That's hard to say. You can't Who's just that? make up names. He's right. He directors. did True Detective season one, and he actually wrote the screenplay for it and was going to direct it. Very great director. Up and coming. Fantastic. Uh, starring Edward Norton as Dr. Peter Whitaker. Gugu Mbatha-Ra as a hypnosis patient. And Wait, to- who? Yeah, she's in... Um, Wait, what's the name? Gugu Mbatha-Ra. You're just making up stuff. No, she's, worry, she's a great actress. 
Which scene? Um, I, I, I'd have to find it. Very memorable actress, too. How do you spell Gugu Mbatha? G-U-G-U-M-B-A-T-H-A. Oh, there she is. R-E-W. Oh, she's from Doctor Who. Yeah, is she from Doctor Who? Apparently, it's what it said Gugu Mbatha. I can't say her name, Ra, but it said Doctor Who when I started pulling it up. Oh, of course she is. That's why I chose her. <laughs> oh, Tish, Tish Jones, sister of Martha Jones. Okay. Um, and then also, Toby Maguire as Ryan, the mirror patient, as I'm calling him. <laughs> Toby Maguire? Toby he Maguire. Looks like He's Ryan. the shadow man? Yeah. He looks no, like no. Ryan. Toby Maguire is, is the patient that he talked to. Oh, okay. So there we have it. Who plays the shadow man then? There's no, it doesn't need to be played by anyone because it's just basically silhouettes of figures that have always known us. I think Tobey Maguire would be a better choice. (laughs) We should be emo Tobey Maguire. Nothing would frighten me more than seeing Tobey Maguire snapping at you, staring back in the mirror. (laughs) Oh, that would be terrible. So, okay, look, I know that was long and I know it was basically a series of short, uh, of scary stories, but I Uh think Mm -hmm. whether in a long form mini series or a podcast, this could work with Alex Regan. <laughs> that was a good one. That's from the black tapes. Uh, yeah, we've been referencing the black tapes. Yeah, so Jake, it's time to let me down. I will absolutely <laughs> green light this. Are you sure? As a podcast. Are you okay? Not as a movie lights? though. No, I'm not green lighting as a movie. It, because that. there's so many details. There's there. too much there. But it think needs, of the visuals that I could would be go, done. I would go podcast. I would even go mini series. Definitely not movie. It's not the right content for a movie. Okay, there's just too much. There's too much. HBO series like or... Your whole premise is that is sleep disorder, uh, like the... Uh, but you mentioned the, the, the Nightmare was the documentary. Yes. Uh, and now on Netflix. Now on Netflix, but it's all about these shadow figures and sleep paralysis. Yeah, it's people and, giving their stories and they show dramatized versions. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's consecutive stories, right? And, like and, there's, and that, the, as that documentary goes, it becomes less scary and then it kind of becomes a little more boring. I want this to be terrifying no, this throughout. Feels, this feels like either, either a podcast, right? Or mm-hmm. like... A, eight or ten episode like Netflix original is how I see that. Not on Netflix. It is. It would have to be HBO. Fine. HBO. I think Netflix totally has, you know, we talked about this on our Disflix Flick show. But yeah. <laughs> on the big Bad day, release yeah. schedule. So there you go. So All six green lights. Well, yeah. It's, more, it's like a half green light. That's for the never last happened one. before. Oh, thanks, Jake. Thanks. <laughs> I, let's end the show on that. I have, to, I have to have some sort of uh, no somewhere in there. I w- well, I will give you an opportunity now to take back your Thrine Wolf green light if you want. No way. I love that one. That's probably I, my favorite. I'm actually dying to see Three and Wolf. I just hate the title. <laughs> yeah, the title sucks. The title gets a Tween, thumbs down. Hey, millennials will love it, okay? No, will seriously? They? Seriously, oh, that might be my favorite one. is going to become the new favorite word. So, <laughs> Brought to you by three members of Bacon Sale. Yes. Three men and a little baby. But let us know if you greenlight our pitches. Let us know which ones you really liked, which ones you think we'd make a movie. If you have Hollywood connections, let them know. Let them listen to this podcast. Is that the longest pitch I've ever given on this show? Not even no, close. I, I think, think the so. Rivers Cuomo was one was longer. Dude, the James yeah, Bond one was long. The James Bond was really yeah. long, too. I'll never forget the James Bond one. It's because yeah. it was great. I mean, as long as I live. <laughs> which may not be long. What? Shadow Man. Uh, but yes, let us know. Give us feedback on our Facebook page where, when we post the show or on Twitter. We also interact with our listener there. Uh, also, rate us and review us on iTunes because when you rate us and review us, it makes us more visible to other people and then other people can enjoy shows like this, which where we just try to disturb you. And you're welcome. Yeah. And and hopefully this was a fun show for Halloween. There has been a lot of spooky stories and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So we, we hope you enjoyed it. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 786Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing at QuickWits. They perform every Saturday night at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. 
You can find me on Twitter at Jacob A. Rogers and Bacon Sale on Twitter as well at Bacon Sale. And go, uh, you know, go follow us there. So until next time, we've been watching. We've been waiting. We are Bacon Sale. I'm more feminine. That's... I've seen four therapists this weekend. Next week's all about you, babe. I'm a baby who doesn't dare go on rides. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. Brian Mills. I'm every dad. Brian Mills. Brian Mills. All when right. you don't greenlight things, it hurts my feel-bads. I know, it does. It hurts <laughs> your feel-bads? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, Threen Wolf. Are you ever ready? Like, can you do the voice? As if we didn't already know it was going to be a long synopsis. Like you put that last little thing in as a slight. Not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> my voice doesn't get high when I say things that aren't true. I want to be Threen Wolf. Green Wolf. <laughs> that does kind of work, doesn't it? Or, He's greenlighting Green Wolf. Green Wolf is a go. No, 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 what? no, 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 please no. This isn't Star Wars. It would just be a redo. Where has all the fear gone? This isn't Halloween at all. Daddy, what's independence? Oh, by the way, maybe kids shouldn't listen to this episode. <laughs> I want to traumatize kids for money. It's no Green Wolf. More like Five Nights at Friendly's. Yep, Crumpy Face. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. Can we call this movie Crumpy Face? No, we're calling it Smile. Are you kidding me? He pulled out her teeth? Yeah. It's getting dark, Joel. Monomania, which I really... I, I, I read up a lot on that, which is... Is that just... where you get really tired after kissing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she's not dead. Like, he, he saved her from being buried alive. So there's a positive twist. And then pulls out her teeth. Well, yes. <laughs> Man, I need to be a bigger jerk. What's a nightcap, Kim? It's where you go to someone's house and drink some milk. <laughs> I have to get a drink because there's so many details. She hears a voice calling from the hallway. She so leans. Oh, oh, no. Oh, God, no. Kent, you just gave me the chills. Yep. Oh, no. I don't know what we're talking about. The oh. <laughs> Joel's having a seizure, but maybe you should explain. Close the window. I know. So I, I, for example, might see sharks standing there. You might see commitment. Pull out their teeth. Shh. Ah. Give me my son. Yeah, I'm Liam Neeson. I'm Brian Mills. There's one behind you, and he has his hand on your shoulder. Gosh dang. <laughs> don't really get things right. This creeps me out, man. <laughs> That's why I don't share the bed with him anymore. They are crazy. Nothing would frighten me more than seeing Tobey Maguire snapping at you, staring back in the mirror. Oh, that would be terrible. <laughs> I don't like Thrine Wolf. It makes me feel weird.